Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, how many weeks has it been since I saw you guys from this perspective? About four, something like that? You know, amen. Well, that's what happens when you take off and go out of the country. You know, what can I tell you? Well, tonight we're going to do something. Um, we've got a, I've got a, you know, an acronym. Is an acronym, you, you take a word and you've got, a, you've got something for each letter. That's right, isn't that right, Bonnie? Okay, so tonight we've got an acronym for you. And uh, it's called, it's KISS. Oh, how sweet. Remember, in Brazilian, in Portuguese, I should say, it's, Ayo Teyama, I love you, but that has nothing to do with this. I'm just telling you that anyway. Yeah. So, so anyway, <laughs> so tonight the word is kiss. Now, we can do, it's either keep it simple saints, or we can do the others that I've got here. So, so we're going to go back to some real basic stuff. And, you know, none of the four points we're going to go over tonight are anything you don't know. But we're just going to remind you of some of these things. And, and let the Holy Ghost remind you of some things that maybe I don't say. Because he's got a lot more to say than just what I say. There's a lot more he can impart to you, that he can bring to your remembrance, that he can quicken to your heart, over and above and beyond. In fact, you could come tell me something he tells you that would probably bless me just as much. So tonight we're going to do that. But you know what? We need to go back to the basics ever so often anyway, because Isaiah talks about precept upon precept. You know, you never outgrow the basics. Never. In fact, the basics are what will trip you up if you don't stay mindful of the basics. You know, the guys who go out on, on any kind of a, a ball field, any kind of athletics, they have to maintain a constant vigilance in their training of the basics to keep them, themselves at peak form and peak condition and peak performance when they're actually in the game. And so, you know, we see that in Isaiah, precept upon precept. In Proverbs, you know, Solomon, he said, attend to my words. It means constantly keep them before you. Constantly. You know, and that's what we're supposed to do. Keep these things constantly before you. Hebrews 5.12 has talked about, it says, you have needed one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. That wasn't necessarily a compliment, but it's, it's a necessary, necessity, and it's a fact that we need somebody to constantly go back to the first principles of the, of the things of God, the, the things that are the foundation in our spiritual lives. And so, number one, kiss. Um, I mean, well, not kiss, but K, keep things first things first. Keep first things first. You know, over in, in a Revelation uh, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, you know, he's talking to the churches of, Eph of Ephesus, and he says, I have something against you because you've left your first love. And so many times, you know, we get caught up in things, and, and honestly, we've left our first love. What is it like to be in love? I mean, you guys maybe do not have experience in this, and that, that's fine. Not a problem. But I remember, you know, what first love was like. Oh, you're giddy. Oh, my heavens, you're so silly. Oh, your mind is on focused on this, on this object of your affection. 
You know, you just can't think about them enough. You can't talk to them enough. We used to spend hours on the telephone with each other. Hours. You know, back in the days when there was a handheld phone that none of, some of you people don't even know that exist. Um, but, yeah, it was, and it was in the hallway of our house. You know, so you had to go sit in the floor in the hallway to maintain this conversation. And my mother would be going, are you still on that phone? And his mother's going, get off the phone. I would like to use the phone. You know, that kind of, I mean, you just, you just can't get it. That's the way we really ought to be with Jesus. It's so constantly in love with him that our fellowship with him is an ongoing thing where somebody's going, what, can't you do anything except talk about Jesus? You should be able to say, no, he's my first love. He's my first and my only love. And so we just need to go back to those first things. But, you know, your relationship with God is just so vital. You know, in the New Testament, you find several places where it says, take heed to yourselves. You need to always be sure to keep yourself in a place where, where your relationship with God is first and foremost in your life. You need to be consciously aware of the fact that God is first. Not just say it because it sounds good, not just say it out of habit, but really conscious of the fact that God, my relationship with him, my relationship with the Lord Jesus, my fellowship with the, with the Holy Spirit, it's all so important. It's the most important thing in my life. It has to be there. To, to really have a successful walk with God, you've got to keep first things first. Your relationship with him has got to come first. Don't let it slide. Don't, don't let it get cold. Don't let it get common and ordinary. You think, can't that happen? Yeah. That's how people backslide because it becomes common and ordinary. And they don't see it for what value it has to them and to their very existence. They let go, let those things slide. You know, it's uh, somebody once said, you know, this, I think it was, we heard this phrase, I think, back in 1980 when we were out in Tulsa. I think it was Buddy Harrison. I don't know if he coined it, this, this saying or whether he got it from somebody else. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's good, and I've, I've said it many times, and it bears repeating. If your outgo exceeds your input, then your upkeep becomes your downfall. You've got to maintain your relationship with God. You, you, you can't just, just let it slide. You have got to keep putting in because the world and life in general keeps taking out, trying to take it. You know, it's just it's like uh, anything else. You put gas in the gas tank of a car, and then you put it in gear, and you start driving. You're putting that gas to work. After a while, it runs out. You've got to stop and fill it back up. You have to constantly be filling yourself up with the word and with prayer. You've got to constantly be putting a, a, a demand on, on getting something put into you. That's one of the reasons why around here, you know, that we have, we have in our eligibility requirements to work in different departments, we have an attendance requirement. Some people call it rules and regulations. No, it's not rules and regulations. It's for your benefit. Because we know that if you get into a place where you're so, where the only time that you're at church, you're serving somewhere, then you're putting out way too much. And the danger of you becoming burned out in your service to God goes way up. Now, we have to explain that so many times. I mean, because, you know, we track attendance not to be legalistic, but to protect 
you, to keep you in a place where you're being fed, where you're being built up in a service. You know, you know once you, you get to a certain place, then we have to say, okay, we, we, we need you to come out for a while. Need you to come out temporarily while you get your attendance built. But you get in church, get yourself built up, and you can always tell. You know when when somebody has to be been just kind of just take a vacation from the place that you're serving. You know and come sit in service while you can tell because they have an attitude with you. You know that the enemy's already working on them, and that's just it. Just really just tells you that much more how badly they need to be in service. You know, you could keep putting out and putting out, but I love working with the kids. Yeah, but you need to put something in or else you won't have much left to give to them. So we want to make sure you are in a place where you can give out to them because we don't want to lose you. You know, it, the time that you temporarily take from that department, from that position, it's well worth it to the ones that you've been ministering to, to for you to come sit in a service and get built up again. So when your outgo exceeds your input, then your upkeep, your very upkeep becomes your downfall because you're not upkeeping anything anymore. You ever seen somebody's house who did that? I mean, they never, they never keep up their house and suddenly one day they look around and go, my house is falling apart. Yeah, because you didn't do the maintenance on it. Well, we want to do the maintenance on our relationship with God. Keep first things first. Um, your priorities must be in order. God's always first. Your spouse is second. Your children yeah, come after that. You know, and you, know, you, you just need to keep those in line. But, you know, in, this, in, in putting God first, you know, that involves some other things, which I'm not going to take time to get into tonight. But your service to God, your attend, part of, of, of serving God and putting God first is, is being in church. Uh, you know, I, you know, we have a lot of times when people don't seem to understand that there's something vital in church attendance. And the, the tendency to these days is, is to have fewer services. We know a number of churches, you know, that, of people that we currently have, you know, have known for years that have gone to, it's just Sunday morning only, and now we only have a Wednesday night service once a month. They call it our first Wednesday service. I'm going, how about the second Wednesday and the third Wednesday and the fourth Wednesday? What, what happened to those? You know, it's, people go, well, we have small groups. That is not the same thing, folks. Having a small group to go to is not the same thing. You know, it, it occurred to me just in the last couple of days um, because of something somebody had said to, to me on, on, on an email, you know, about, us, about a, having a group in their home. And I thought, we have church three times a week. We have prayer once a week. So if you come to all those things, that's, that's four services a week. When we, when we get together, our small groups are fellowship groups. It's time for you to spend time getting to know each other, you know, in a fellowship situation. There's opportunities for you to get fed three times a week and to fellowship with God directly on that fourth one. And so when we, a small group gets together, it's for fellowship. And, and, I, don't, and I don't quite understand small groups. I really don't. Because that's not feeding you, folks. 
And if I know you like I know me, you need to get fed three squares a week, at least. At least. And so keep priorities straight. Put God where God needs to be in your everyday life. You're not a a Christian um, plumber. You are a plumber who happens to be, you are a Christian who happens to be a plumber. You know, your life should necessarily be, be looked at as I'm a believer first and foremost. That is my number one title. That is my number one occupation. I'm a believer. Now, my secular job, the way I bring money in is by being a plumber. But I'm a believer first and foremost. And I do all the things that accompanies what it takes to be a believer. Keep God first. Yes, but my wife or my, my husband or this or that. No, keep God first. Much as I love my husband, much as he loves me, God is still first. God is, God's got, he got the number one place. Years, years ago, you know, when I wasn't serving God and he was back in fellowship with God, his, his thing was, okay, fine, you don't want to go to church? My children and I are going to church. You know, you do what you please. He didn't stay home because, because Miss Angela didn't want to go to church. Stop compromising that mess. You know, just because you got an ornery spouse, which I was, I, I still have a trace of that left. <laughs> Nothing out of you. <laughs> Just because you have an ornery spouse, just because you have a spouse who doesn't care about the things of God, just because they put pressure on you to do something besides serve God does not mean it's okay for you to give in to that. It's not. Well, God knows my heart. No, he knows what you do. You can say all you want to, but he's looking at what you do. You can't say you believe God and do something that, that negates what you just said. If you love God, you will serve God and you will do what it takes to serve God. And you will let ornery stay home. They can occupy themselves. They can do whatever they're going to do. But you do what you know to do. I appreciate somebody who says, well, they didn't want to come, so I just left them. You know? Now, he did that to me. Best thing he ever did. Just said, I'm doing it anyway. You know? And when it came time to, to, to do some things that God wanted to do, he's like, you do what you want, but I'm doing it, and this and my boys are going with me. Yeah. You know, he left me no choice. You know, he just said, this is what I'm doing, and left me to figure out for myself what I was going to do. You know, you can't compromise the things of God. You cannot compromise your In fact, his, what was the, uh, I know Lois Thatcher, I heard her say this for the very first time, but I think she got this from somebody else, was what you compromise to keep you will eventually lose. Compromise will never win the day. Never. 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 Hallelujah. Uh, your integrity must be in order because I wrote this down, and it says, your, I wrote this, it says, your public life must be an outflow of your private life. When you keep first things first, your public life will be a reflection 
of your private life, of your life in God, of your relationship with God. And when you do that, integrity will always be the, the thing that's of utmost importance to you. You will learn to do the right thing and be honorable. Really. You know, there are, there are people who don't, who don't do the right thing. There are even ministers who don't do the right thing. You know, I, the years ago, we had somebody that we um, had known for several years and had been coming here had come here several times and had given them a, a start in ministry, actually. You know, they were, when they were first starting out in ministry, we gave them an opportunity, you know, to come here and speak. Didn't know them, but just felt led, you know, to have them, just to, just to help them out. And over the years, we developed a great relationship, a great friendship. And, uh, and so as, as they became a little more known and a little more known and a little more known, you know, it was, it was like, great, this is wonderful. We just love seeing them blessed because we valued their ministry. Well, one day uh, we got a phone call, and they were scheduled to be at our church on a certain date. And they called us up and said, um, if it's okay with you, I mean, what are you going to say? If it's okay with you, brother so-and-so, in such and such a city, really wants me to come that day. Well, now the difference here is we have a church of, you know, 150 people, and he has a church of a couple of thousand. And so what was the right thing to do? The right thing to do was to honor your word, honor the commitment you'd already made. But no, you know, we were kind of being like, okay, well, if it's okay with you, like I say, what are you going to say? If it's okay with you, um, he needs me there on that particular day. Yeah, because you thought you had a better offer. It was a, really, it was a great disappointment to me, you know, to be honest with you. It really was. So we said, you know, do what you feel like you need to do. And uh, the next time they came, it was like the service was about as dead as a doornail. You know, and I'm thinking, that's because there were some integrity issues right there. If you're going to serve God and keep first things first, you're going to have to be honorable in everything that you do. You know, because you serve him, because you love him, because he's first, you will do what it takes, even when the right thing hurts you. Even when the right thing is uncomfortable, even when the right thing is costly to your um, ego, costly to your pocketbook, costly in, in a lot of ways, that's what you do is you keep first things first. And that's how we live our life. Our public life must be an outflow of our private life. That's keeping first things first. Number, next one, I is for invest in people. I heard this said once and it'd be, it's great. Ministry would be wonderful if it weren't for people. <laughs> people. For ministers, people are your biggest joy and your biggest heartache at the same time. But, you know, that doesn't keep you from, inve from investing in people. And just as believers, we should always be interested in investing in people. You know, the, thing that, the little thing we sent out on the app this week, you know, it says when you get to church, you know, look to be a blessing to someone. You're investing in people when you do that. You know, get beyond yourself. You know, and, and, and look for somebody you can invest just a kind word, 
just a hug, just an attaboy, pat on the back, just a, you look good today. Invest in somebody. You know, there, there are people who need just your investment in there. Remember that we're servants. First and foremost, you and I are servants. We've been called to be servants. Jesus himself said that I, I, I'm a servant. And if Jesus considers himself a servant still, you and I certainly are servants still. We're here to serve other people, serve God. And when we serve other people, we are serving God. And remember this, that everybody has potential. You know, when you're looking at somebody to invest some time or some effort, some energy, some resources in, just be open because everybody's got potential. The, fur, the person that you look at and go, oh, you know, nah, that, that's not worth my time. Yet they might just be worth your time if God's leading you. And that's really the key. You know, when, when you're investing in people, you need to be careful to, to just, there's times where you can come in and we can just, I mean, just, I mean, just wholesale, just be a blessing to people. Don't come in with a frown. Don't come in with a scowl. Don't come in mad. Check it at the door. You know, and, and just, I mean, just wholesale be nice to people. Sometimes that's a major investment. You know, but then there are other times when God will lead you to invest something in somebody that you would ordinarily never have thought, no, I'm not going to bother with that. But everybody's got potential. And if God tells you to invest something in someone, then do it. He's setting you up for a blessing, and he's trying to bless them. But remember this, sometimes... When you've invested in people, it seems like you're not getting much of a return on that investment. Sometimes you invest some time and energy in, into people, and man, they just take off. I mean, they just, they just take it and go. I mean, they become great and wonderful people and, and easy to be around and wonderful, and, and they, just, they just begin to blossom, and, and that's great. And then there's other times when some people just... It's like, the, it's like they went completely the other way. But here's the deal. When God leads you to do something for somebody or put something into somebody, remember that it's your job to do what he told you to do, but it's not your responsibility to make them do what they're supposed to do. You know, James talks about the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, makes tremendous power available. There's a lot of times the investment we make in people, we've made tremendous opportunities available, but if they choose not to take advantage of those opportunities, we've done our part. But always be looking to invest in somebody. You know, the law of sowing and reaping, is still in play here. The law of sowing and reaping says that when I invest in someone else, someone's going to come along and invest in me. And no matter where you are in life, no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been even in ministry, there's always going to be somebody who can invest in you because the idea is when you invest in someone is to be able to pull more out of them. Put something into them so that there's more to bring out of them. People who will make a demand on you when you make a demand on someone else. Just an encouraging word sometimes is all they need. You know, there are times when people are, are just a little shy 
about, about just, you know, things and just having somebody encourage them, somebody to actually say, I believe in you. The Father believes in you. You've got, you've got so much in you to give, so much that you, you have that you can share with other people that can be a blessing. Do you know some people just need to hear that they can, they can be a blessing? Some people don't understand that just the fact that they show up on a regular basis with a smile on their face is a blessing. They, they don't value that. They don't understand how much value there is just in that. You know, over the years, I've, you know, just seen people who've, who've come in and just kind of keep you at arm's length, you know, and nobody wants to be around them. Well, you know, that might be just the person to go after. You know, break down that. I mean, I was, we were, we were in, a, in a place uh, a few years ago ministering in another state, and there was a lady, in fact, it was, it was an adult daughter of the pastor there. And, and I thought to myself after the service, you know, we were all, you know, in their home, you know, fellowship after the service, and I thought, I don't think she likes me much. I mean, it was kind of obvious, I think. She was very short, very cold, you know, didn't really have much to say. And I thought, I don't think she likes me, but I'm going to change that. And so I went after her those next couple of days while we were there. And even made a point of sending a thank you, because she, she had made some things you know, that we had enjoyed eating. Even made a point of sending a thank you card just to her to thank her for what she had done. You know, obviously, you thank the pastor, you know, for, you know, the whole, the whole trip, you know, the opportunity to be there. But I sent this card specifically to her to thank her for that, whatever it was that she had made. The next time I saw her, she loved me. She loved me. She loves me still. So I'm telling you, what, if you get the cold shoulder from somebody, just say, you my next project. You are my next project. You are going to love me before this is over. <laughs> Invest in people. They need something. Sometimes these people just need to know somebody loves them enough, cares about them enough to actually put some effort into the relationship. Hallelujah. Um, you know, we invest in people in church. We invest in people outside of church. But let me warn you, be careful of who you're investing in outside of church. You know, when, when pastor got back in fellowship with the Lord, he had to break off contact with certain people because he couldn't invest any more of his time and effort into them. They weren't going to change. All they were going to do was try to drag him down. So you need to be careful you know, you, you, you might pick out somebody, you know, in, in your day-to-day -day life. Maybe somebody at school, somebody you come across in one of your classes or somebody at work. You might come across somebody and you think, oh, you know, I, I can strike up a friendship with them. It won't be long before you can tell whether this is going to go anywhere or not. And if it's not, don't be pulled in to their circle. Don't be pulled in to their life because it could possibly drag you down. You know, and if you find yourself in, in places where you've invested too much in people and it's hurting you, you need to get out. 
You know, you say, well, but yeah, I'm going to minister to them. Yeah, but if it's causing you problems, if it's causing you to, to, to doubt, if it's causing you to miss church, if it's causing you to miss out on things that you need to be doing when you put God first, if it's causing you to compromise in any kind of, any kind of way, cut it off. Cut it off. It's a bad investment. Don't let it, don't let it take you to the to cleaners. You know, just in the stock market, you've you got some, some stocks here that, oh, man, this looks good. You can put money into it and just see it rise and rise. Other things that look really good and promising, you put money in and it just tanks and you lose everything. Don't let yourself lose everything because you've invested too much of yourself in the wrong, on the wrong people. So just be led by God to do those kind of things. Um, hallelujah. Next, S, the first S, stay focused. Listen, the enemy is out to distract you. He'll distract you with all kinds of things. You need to, to be sure that, that uh, when something comes your way, that if, it, if it's distracting to you at all from what you're supposed to be doing, stop. Just stop. It could be people. It could be a job. It could be finances. You know, Lord knows how many times over the years we've seen God bless people with a business, and that business became the focus of life. You know, if, if you're distracted by something, mm-mm, get out. You have, you have to understand that God's got a plan for your life. And the enemy is out to do his very best to get you off the path of that plan. And he will use all kinds of things and all kinds of people to pull you away from what he has planned for you. His plan is the best plan. His plan is the right plan. His plan is the only plan. And when we figure that out, you know, it'll help keep us focused you know, I found um, several things that um, just I, I saw today, you know, in the, in the phrase, take heed. Uh, in Luke, it says, take heed how you hear. You know, if you're going to focus on something that you've heard that's not in the Word, it's going to cost you. You know, it says, take heed how you hear. You know, you can be distracted by a lot of things when you're in the middle of a service, and it will affect how you hear. It's amazing to me that you can get up and preach one message and have four different people, and they got four different things out of it. You know, for some people, it's just a, it's just a, a reinforcement of what they know and believe. For other people, it's, it's, it puts a question mark in their mind. Okay, all right, now, how does this work? And, you know, and, and, and okay, I need, I, need to, I need to follow up on that and, and research that a little bit more and, and really kind of get that down on the inside of me. And for some people, it's like, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. And some people just get offended. How do you hear? You know, you come into church, the enemy wants to, to get your, your uh, focus 
off of the word for what's, what it's going to do for you. And he wants to, to get you so either you don't hear it or you don't hear it right or you hear it through the lens of your own thinking or the lens of tradition or the lens of what you think it ought to be. Well, you know, I'm sorry, you know, but it's kind of like the instruction books, you know, you, you get with something you're putting together and you, you don't understand what in the world is this all about? Why are they doing it this way? Well, I know better is I put a bed together recently. I did two, two twin beds and I followed the instructions on that first bed to the absolute letter. It worked out great. The second bed, I thought, okay, I can make a little shortcut here. And I can do this, and I can do this. And when it all got said and done, and I'm at the very end of this thing, it wouldn't finish going together, and I had to come almost completely undo it and go back to square one. Listen, God's Word is God's Word. You need to follow it to the letter. Because if you think there's a shortcut, you're going to get to the end and find out you did it all wrong. And you're going to have to go back and undo it and start over. It costs you a lot of time and a lot of energy. And it's really aggravating. <laughs> the only person I was aggravated was me because I was so dumb that why didn't I just do like it said? There are no shortcuts. There's a reason why the instruction is this. I was so mad with myself. And yet people do that all the time. They come into church, they hear the word, and the enemy says, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. There's a different way to do that. There's an easier way to do this. This will get you where you want to go a whole lot faster. It's not so. It's not going to happen. You need to follow the word to the letter. Stay focused on what the word says. What the Word says will get you where you need to go. It'll get you to, you'll have you accomplish everything you're supposed to accomplish. And you'll be the better for it. But you have to stay focused on what the Word says. Not what you think. Not what somebody else thinks. Not what somebody else said they did. But what does the Word say? It also says... Uh, another verse I found, take heed what you do. What are you doing? You know, the, the whole thing here, when you hear the word, is to take it and go do something with it. What did you hear? Now, how can you put it into practice? Take heed how you hear and what you do. You know, the, again, the enemy is going to come to you as soon as you walk out the door and go, oh, no, you don't need to do that. Just forget that. Just, you know, you know, kind of deep six that. You know, no, you don't have to do that. No, you do have to do that. You are responsible for what you've heard. God blesses people when we don't know any better. I mean, you get a baby Christian in here, and they know so little, and God just will just dump blessing on blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing on them. And now a couple of years goes by, and they've grown in the things of God, and it seems like it's harder and harder and harder to get that same level of blessing. You know why? It's because you know more, and because now God expects you to do more with what you know. It's not, it's not as simple as it was to start out with, doesn't look like. It really is still simple, but God expects you to put more effort into it because you know better. 
You know more. And just because well, you, can't, you can't go to God and say, well, I didn't know when you've sat in here three times a week. So, well, you know, yeah, but I didn't hear that. Well, you weren't listening. My, I gave my children no quarter when, I, when they told me, yeah, but I didn't hear that. I don't care. I said it. You weren't listening. It's your problem. You know, and, and sometimes I, our problems are of our own making. There's another verse that says, let no man take heed that no man deceive you. If you're not focused on the word, somebody comes along with a good spiel, you'll fall for it. There's a whole lot of bit of people on TV right now. Dare I say more. Who put a lot of things out there that are not in the word, that are not right that uh, there's a lot of operators out there. You know, and I suspect one of these days, God's going to have enough of these people. There's a lot of people out there who just look at the gospel as some way to profit. Send me $33 because I've been in ministry for 33 years. No, 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 no. Don't fall for the oil from Jerusalem business. This is water out of the Jordan. It's, it's, It's holy water. No, it's not. It's just water. You know, those are silly things, and yet we fall for things a lot of times. Stay focused on what the Word says. Hallelujah. Remember that God has a, like I said before, hey, he has a plan for you. He will use you no matter what your personality is. William Seymour was the one of the people who was instrumental in Azusa Street. I mean, who lit the fire of Pentecost around the world. The man was such an introvert that he would get up in front of people with a box over his head. He was that much of an introvert, and yet God used him. Listen, there are times when God is going to use us because of our personality, and then there's times he's going to use us in spite of our personality. He has a plan laid out for you because of your personality. He has a plan laid out for you in spite of your personality. I'm an introvert. And, and, and I do this. And, it's, and it seems like it's easy sometimes. And sometimes it's like, you take me to Brazil and suddenly I clam up. You know, that kind of thing. You know, I go back to my introvert status. You know, get around a bunch of people I really don't know happens again. But see, God can still use it. God can still use me, but just even, I don't care how much of an introvert I am. So don't ever use your personality as an excuse not to do what God said do. You stay focused on what he said to you. You stay focused on what the word says, and you just do what what you need to do. Because the Bible talks about that we all have gifts differing according to the grace that's been given to us. Some of you have a lot more grace given to you than I do. Because you're wonderful in some areas that I don't have that gracing for. You know, we, we can't look around and compare ourselves, you know, to each other. Stay focused on what God's talking to you about, what he's called you to do, the plan he has for you. Lastly, that, the last S is stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Stay willing. Stay obedient. Remain teachable. You know, that he, the Lord is so good and so kind and so gracious. 
you know, when we, we come to any, at, any, at any place in life, you know, you know, our focus should be on our relationship with God. It should be then what does the Word say? You know, when somebody says something to me, how does it line up with the Word? If I think I'm hearing this from the Holy Spirit, does it line up with, with the Word? You, you have to, you take it all in context, but remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit. In your everyday walk, in everything you do and things that you say, if we remain focused on the Word and sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we will not say things we shouldn't say. We'll not cop an attitude that we shouldn't cop. We will not do the things that we do. If we'll stay focused on what does the Word say and what's the Holy Spirit saying to me, we could avoid a lot of trouble in life. We could avoid a lot of issues. We could avoid a lot of relationship issues. If you don't have an answer for something, Holy Spirit's got an answer. But you need to be willing to hear it because sometimes he's going to tell us something that we really don't want to hear, that we really don't want to do, that flesh-wise, my flesh doesn't really want to do. Sometimes I, find, I have found myself in a place where the Holy Spirit's talking to me about something, you know, an attitude maybe that I need to change, and I'm going like, what attitude? I got no attitude. What? What? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And he's going, no, you're not. Well, well come on now. I'm really, I, I, I've, got, I've got that under control. I've, I've taken care of that. Yeah, but you're doing da-da-da-da. I'm going, yeah, but, yeah, but. And, he's, and he gives me, he gives me, he gives me, a little bit of latitude for just about a split second, and he's going, no, 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 no. And there are times that I have, to, I have to do one of two things. I have to say, yeah, but I don't want to, or yes, sir, I'll take care of it for real. And if I'm by myself, I don't think I'm by myself on that. How many times have we just basically in our, in our heart said, I don't want to do that. I don't care what you say. I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I'm, a, I'm mad, and I'm going to stay mad. I'm offended, and I'm going to stay offended until further notice. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit will say, it's up to you. What's it going to cost you? Are you willing to pay the price? Because it always costs me something. It does. I can name a lot of times it's cost me something. Because I wouldn't change, because I wouldn't be willing, because I wouldn't be obedient, because I wouldn't be responsive when he talked to me. Now, there are times he, he's, he wants to use it as a teachable moment. Be teachable. Receive his teaching. It will profit you. It will help you so much so that you don't find yourself in that same position again some other time. Now, let me go back to one more, one more thing. When I say be responsive, here's a good place for us in the middle of a service. Whatever is happening in a service, respond to what's going on. If we're, if we're going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's leading a certain way, get in gear with it. Get yourself in line with it. If it's a praise service, praise. If it's a worship service, worship. If it's a time of prayer,
pray. If it's a time when, where God is ministering to people, get in there with it. Listen, this is, we, could, we could take a whole service on this, but I'm not going to. But in the middle of a service, if, if God uses somebody to call something out, respond immediately if that's you. See, one of the parts about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit is obeying him quickly. And in a service setting, your quick response not only helps you, but it helps others. Because there's been many times when God wanted to do more than what he was able to do because people didn't respond. And after church, somebody comes and says, oh, well, you know, that was really me. That was my situation. That was this. That was, and I'm going, why didn't you come up? Well, I just didn't. Well, don't do that anymore. If it, if it pertains to you, come. Yeah, but I don't want people to think. It doesn't matter what people think. If God is, if, if God is, is wanting to minister to you, let him minister to you. Because when one, it's kind of like popcorn. When one kernel pops, there's another one and another one and another one and another one. And sometimes we get one pop and we're done. The rest are duds. Because nobody responded. Your response means that somebody else's blessing might be waiting for your response. And if you respond, then there's more available for them. So do that. You know, there's, there's just a place for all of us just to learn to be more responsive in a service. So, we, you know, we'll end it with this. It's a kiss. Keep th first things first. Invest in people. Stay focused and stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's basics. Nothing that you don't already know, but just something to be encouraged in, something just to be just reminded of, precept upon precept, line upon line. You know, and that's where, that's where our success comes in, you know, just, just living life to the full. And that's really all God wants for us, is he wants us to, to he's provided so much for us, He's, he wants us to live life abundantly and fully and to enjoy completely what he's got for us. And so these four simple things will help us do that. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.